In Session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my soundcloud page and podcast on itunes again our studio number 310-441-0555 so the book of the week for this week that i announced monday is the road to character by david brooks the road to character and uh, i'm really enjoying this book Uh, as i said on monday night i judged the book by its cover i like the title even more than the cover the road to character A lot of self-help books these days and a lot of people's focus is on trying to look good in a surface type of way, what we might call the personality ethic. Uh, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he mentions the personality ethic versus the character ethic. And the personality ethic, it's more about looking good, making a good appearance, pretending almost in a way, let's say, to be a good leader, a good person, a good friend. But the character ethic is more about on a deeper level, doing things that build character, integrity, honesty, working hard, uh, doing the right thing. And those are things that don't show up on the surface or you might not actually recognize. And especially in today's world where we're obsessed with quickly showing ourselves, you don't really get to see character. So if our focus is on just looking good on a post or a 15-second video, you really don't get to see character there. And we find that if we focus just on the personality, you might think you look good or make a good impression here or there, but there isn't a deep sense of contentment and fulfillment in your life. And so in this book, The Road to Character, David Brooks is looking at some people who he thinks had character and their how they got that and how they developed their character. It's not something you're born with, it's something you develop. So looking forward to talking about that book on Monday. But wanted to follow up today on a topic that was brought up Monday night. Someone asked about bad feelings or how to handle bad feelings. And I talked about that um, for a segment on Monday night's show. You can check that out. But today I wanted to follow up on a different aspect of that, which is people often want to know, how can I be there more for people emotionally? How can I support my friends, family, or especially my romantic partner, I want to be emotionally supportive to them, and I want to know how to get better at that. And usually what people do is they try to uh, learn some techniques and skills, which can be good, like active listening. Make sure you pay attention. After your partner talks, you can repeat what they said to make sure you show them that you understand what they said. And if there's any need for clarification, they can explain it to you. And all these techniques can be helpful. So I'm not against the techniques. But what can be even more important than the techniques, which is related to the topic of bad feelings, is that if you really want to be there for other people emotionally, if you want to 
support them, and especially if you want to be able to feel empathy, you need to be connected to your own feelings and especially your own pain and sadness. It's almost impossible and very difficult to really be empathic if you can't connect to your own pain. Because even when you think about what we're saying when we say empathy is in some way I'm feeling your pain. And even you have that reaction. Someone tells you, um, you know, my, some, something happened to my mom or my dad or I went through a breakup. You kind of feel a pain within you that allows you to connect to them, to connect to their pain. But people who are very disconnected from their feelings and disconnected from their pain, they have a very hard time with this. And I don't just mean if you want to be a therapist, although if you are a therapist, being connected to your feelings is very important, having that awareness and connection and being able to manage that, that of course is important too, but you have to be connected to that pain. And I've experienced that myself, that the more I've gotten in touch with my own emotions over the years, the better I feel I can connect to other people with their pain and their experiences. But if you're disconnected, it's hard for you to connect. So more than just the techniques you're going to do in the moment uh, with other people, and you might think, well, it's about other people's feelings. What does it have to do with my feelings? But if you really want to be there for someone emotionally, you have to be connected to your own pain because then you can understand someone else's pain. doesn't mean you have gone through the same thing they've gone through, but it's something that you can connect to. So first... The importance there is that you have to connect to your own feelings in order to be there for someone else. And a lot of people, they try to adopt this approach that, no, I don't care about my feelings. I just want to take care of other people. So these are the people who are the heroes or the rescuers. Or another way we see this is the people who want to appear strong and not vulnerable and they don't have any weaknesses. So I don't need any help or support. I don't have feelings that are irrational or big feelings, but I want to be there for everyone else. I'm going to take care of everyone else, but not worry about my own feelings. I don't even have them. And this doesn't exist. As I talked about Monday night, we all have feelings and you really can't be there for people very well if you are not at all connected to your own feelings. And so what happens is usually people who don't want to be connected to their own feelings, but want to help others, the help is actually more about themselves and the person they're trying to help. Because when someone is crying and you say stop crying, which is the most common reaction people have, you really don't mean stop crying because I want you to feel good. You're saying stop crying because I can't handle your crying. It's making me feel uncomfortable or making me maybe start to connect to my sadness that I'm trying to avoid. And I don't like that feeling at all. Or because I think sadness is so intolerable, I don't want you to feel it either because it must be horrible what you're feeling. Now, the person doesn't think all this in the moment. It's kind of happening behind the scenes. They just think, oh, I want my friend to stop crying because I love them. Or this guy or this girl is not worth your tears or it doesn't matter what happened or everything's okay or you have things to be grateful for. Whatever it is, when you tell someone stop crying, recognize that that's about you, not them. You're really not trying to help them. You're just unable to tolerate their feelings. So again, if we don't tolerate our own painful feelings if we're not in touch with them and even can't tolerate them, it's virtually impossible for you to be there for someone else in a really deep way. But when people who aren't connected to their feelings help others, and it's in this more uh, kind of almost like a professional, but not like a therapist professional, but someone who's just totally detached, I'm going to help you feel better. What you usually find is they're helping because they want to feel good about the help they're giving. 
So it's more about, I can't tolerate my feelings and I want to make you feel good because that's going to make me feel good that I helped you. And usually what you see in these kinds of people who are not connected to their feelings is let's say you're sad about something and they can tolerate it more than you'd expect and they're there with you for a little bit. They're very attached to the result. So if they call you the next day and they say, how are you feeling? And you say, well, I'm still sad about that breakup. They'll almost get mad at you most of the time. You're still sad, but we talked about it. And I told you this and this and this. We realized that actually it's a good thing you broke up and that your life could be better and there's other guys or girls out there. And that I said this and all that and I was there for you. And they'll almost get mad at you. They'll blame the person. You just want to be sad. You just want to be down. Or you're a weak or sensitive person. You're being irrational. So you'll see them react with anger to the fact that the person is still sad because really being there for the other person was more about them. And again, because they can't tolerate the feelings, they don't like this idea of the person still being sad. So if you help someone else, you have to, of course, care and you hope that your help is helping, but you can't be so attached to the result. If we uh, share an analogy or make this comparison to the physical side, imagine if your friend is sick and they say, oh, I have a really bad cold. And you say, you know what, I'm going to pick up some soup and some medicine. I'm going to bring it to your house. And they're like, oh, that's so sweet. And you bring the soup and medicine and they have it. They're like, thank you so much. You hang out for a while. You leave. If you call the next day and the person says, I'm kind of feeling better, but I still have a cold, you're not going to get mad at them and say, but I brought you soup and medicine. How are you not feeling better today? I brought you soup and medicine. Why aren't you not sick anymore? You might say that, but that would be a little bit crazy. You understand that if they're sick, hopefully what you did helped bringing them soup and medicine, but it doesn't mean they're completely going to be good the next day. And although you want them to feel better, you understand that they still might not be better. So when it comes to the emotional realm, we want to bring this same idea that if your friend is sick and emotionally, if they're feeling down, you want to be there for them, which definitely can help, but it doesn't mean their pain goes away. And we see this happen a lot where let's say someone has a family member die and people are there for them for a while but they can't tolerate the pain for too long and over time they, they go away. Or they say, oh, you know, your mom died a month ago. Why are you still sad about it? You shouldn't be sad anymore. You've already cried. But that's not how healing works. That's not how grief works. And if we really are there for each other, we recognize that there isn't an expiration date on pain or healing, that you have to be good by a certain day, and people might go through it in a different way. But coming back to this idea of being there emotionally for someone, and this also very strongly applies to parents. If you want to emotionally support your kids, you have to be in touch with your own feelings and have to be okay with your own feelings. If you're not okay with sadness, you won't be able to tolerate the sadness in your kids. So your kid cries and you see this happen. I see it with lots of parents, but especially with Persian parents, they start freaking out. Their kid is crying. What do we do to get them to stop crying? We have to stop the crying now. And they'll do whatever it takes, whether it's even like bribing or giving them something they're not supposed to have or lie to them or whatever they have to do just to cheer their kid up. And that's not the goal. The goal is not to stop the tears. Yes, you want to pay attention to the feelings. You care about the feelings. I'm not saying neglect your child if they really need something. If they're crying because they fell down, you don't say, who cares? You hold them and you make them try to feel good, but you don't say, you don't need to cry, or Persians like to say things like, you're going to grow up and forget about it, which I don't really understand, but they say things like that. The person is sad right now. That's who you're dealing with, and that's what you need to deal with. But the tears going away is not supposed to be the only goal. 
So if you want to be a loving, caring, emotionally available partner, parent, friend, whatever it might be, just person, you have to be in touch with your own negative feelings, the ones that don't feel good. You have to allow yourself to feel those things and tell yourself, I'm not weak if I feel these things, or it's not bad for me to feel these things. And yes, it can feel messy and complicated and doesn't feel so good sometimes, but that's the only way you can be there for other people. If you try to remove your own feelings but say, I can still be there for everyone else, it doesn't work. You can't do it. So if you really want to be there for your partner, you have to get in touch with your own feelings because to feel empathy means you can feel their pain, which means you have to be able to feel your own pain. And that's where you need to go. That's how you need to grow in order to be there for your loved ones. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Lakwi. We'll be right back. back let's go to a caller radio hamra you're on the air hello yes hi hi how are you doing good thank you uh i moved to california and you know my daughter is 15 years old since we moved back i'm gonna move here she uh visited uh, you know the city it used to be like a three times she got a, got an airplane and she you know wanted to see her friend anytime on and off and she said after this year, she cannot tolerate to stay here anymore. And, uh, you know, she could not adjust to the new lifestyle because mm-hmm. I got back, you know, I've been divorced for 10 years and we, I got back with my husband mainly just uh, because we just put our family back together and, you know, he changed. And, you know, I didn't want to marry anyways again because I was thinking having a teenager, it's very difficult to, you know, marry again. There's a different person, different challenge going to come to life. Anyway, I decided to come back. But the challenge is my daughter now. Maybe so, have any problems. okay, just so I'm clear, you got divorced 10 years ago to your husband, but then now you've remarried that same man? Yes. Okay, and you have yes. just the one child? Two. Two child. How old is the other one? Ten. Ten? So the other one was born right around the time of the divorce? Yes. Okay. Six, and this one you said 15 or 16? 16. 16. Okay. All right. Um, one five. So what were the problems that led to the divorce? Uh, you know, it just a pain medication and stuff. You know, pain medication, you know, addiction. But mm-hmm. they all resolved because okay. he's, he's been through this couple of surgery and... You know, he got addicted. He's sober for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a quick anger. He knew, knew child a lot, a couple of things together. But, you know, he doesn't have any problem. He hasn't, he didn't sober for 10 years. I mean, right after he got his treatment, he's sober till now. But meanwhile, our relationship, we didn't have any relationship, but friendship was good because I didn't say anything negative to the kids. Even my kids didn't know we divorced because I didn't want to hurt them. But my daughter is just now. But so I'm con- when you okay, you didn't tell them you got divorced. So what did you do? Oh, I just um, what I do. I just uh, lived by my kids. 
but their dad didn't move out of the house? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. So you but just said. He, he, yeah, he moved to a different state. And he uh, just uh, always he come to see the kids in uh, Valentine's Day. They came for the birthday. He had the visitation, you know, a couple of times a year, whenever he wants to. So I, he didn't have any barrier to see the kids or any relation. We didn't have any relationship barrier okay. regarding the kids and them. Okay, I but mean, I'm still trying to understand. So you just said dad is moving to another state? Yeah, he moved, and now I moved to the same. No, I understand, but I'm still trying to understand what you guys told the kids, because to me it doesn't make sense. Oh, oh, um, well, honestly, with a couple of years, they did not know we divorced. I said, Dad went to work, different state, and then when my daughter turned to, um, like, 11, I told her that, you know, we something happened. It's still, I didn't tell her really what happened. I told her we couldn't get along, so we just, we are happier be far from each other right now that's all i told her but they knew we divorced when they got older okay i'm not okay i i, I don't know if i agree. i mean we can't go back and change that but i'm not sure if that was the right way of approaching it because there's not it doesn't make them understand what's going on dad just left the house but that's i think it's better for the kids to know but anyway um so then when they got older they knew that you guys got divorced. How long ago did you get remarried? Uh, it's about four months. Four months. Okay. So it's very new. And so how long ago did you guys move back to California? Four months. Four months? Four months. Okay. And so you're upset that your daughter is having a hard time? Yes. No. Our major problem is her right now. Okay. It might not... Yeah, but I, I don't blame her for having some major problems as a 15-year-old moving to a new state. Her parents got remarried. There's a lot to deal with here. And if your husband was an addict, that probably was affecting her too, even as a kid. Um, I do get the feeling just from the way you're talking is that things are just very cut and dried. And if you do it this way, there's no problem. So we didn't tell them. So the divorce didn't affect them. And now we're back together. So that's a good thing. And even the way you talked about marrying him, remarrying him was very just calculated. It was like, well, there's nothing else. I don't want to date with a teenager, so I'm going to marry this man again. So it actually reminds me of what I just was talking about in the previous segment of being a little out of touch with feelings. But it seems like you might not be very in touch with your own feelings or the emotional side of things that you're doing. To me, these are, there's a lot of big changes going on. Your 15-year-old daughter, I would expect her to have a pretty tough time with what's going on. Yeah, she wants to move back and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, really, you know, the other thing, the other reason I came here, because I, you know, I got a couple of good offer jobs and I don't have any problem with my jobs here. I'm working here, but, um, you know, the only thing that is going on right now, everything else is okay and good. But except my daughter, my son, he's very happy. He's so glad, you know. He's he's very happy. He's a different person. I think he was happy, but now he's happier. Because but, of know, what? Because of his dad being back, or because yeah, because we put okay. our family back together. He always asks mom, "Why didn't you, you know, move to California?" He always asks me, and uh, you know. But hmm. the problem is, you know, just my daughter i, I know i don't I, I don't i mean I, even the way you keep saying it the problem is my daughter i don't 
I think that to me, I have a, I have a problem with the way you're describing the problem. To say she's supposed to be happy, you're almost saying she's supposed to be happy. Why is she not happy? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Why? Well, I mean, well, I mean okay, but even the way you talk about putting a family back together, a family is not a broken vase that you just glue the pieces back and you say, well, now the pieces are back in the place they used to be. So how could anyone have any issues? You guys got divorced. They're dealing with a lot of things. You guys lived in another state. And then now you move to a new state and she should be happy. And she had no say in moving. I mean, imagine if I said tomorrow you're moving to New Mexico and it's so beautiful there. So you're going to be happy. I think you would not be so thrilled. So I think the way I'm hearing it, you're being a little bit unfair and not at all uh, sensitive to everything your daughter has to go through and teenage years are already difficult enough and making friends and a bunch of other things and her dad wasn't in her life and now it almost seems like you're saying well dad's back in your life so how could that be worse than before but there's a lot of adjustments and changes that are happening that we have to be aware of are not just going to be smooth and there's nothing to worry about everything is better now yeah so the reason the one of the other reason i moved here because you know yeah, you know, I had I had to work like a full time. I really lost the track of her. She is a very social person. She had a lot of friends, and you know, I just boys just come to our house and pick her up and go back and forth. You know, I really honestly lost to keep keep a track of her mm-hmm. because you know I had to work by the time you know I couldn't. And then I, when I was working, I couldn't answer her phone because it's the type of job I have. I have to the patient, you know, it's very sweet job. I, I told myself, you know, it's not going to be safe for her that she picks up with the boys, back and forth, always to the friends. Uh, you know, I thought when I moved here, you know, first of all, she's going to have the experience that we have the family, how does it look like? Number two, uh, you know, everything is going to get better because I can't get a job. Uh, you know, I had to quit my job twice because of, you know, it was very difficult to, you know, take care of both of them. It was mm-hmm. very difficult by myself. And I said, okay, I had a choice not to go to work or, you know, and the other side, my ex-husband asked me to come back. I, I, I was, I made sure that he was sober. It was my first important thing that mm-hmm. I just, okay, I forgive him. I give him this chance again. I give him the kid chance to have a good father. He's a good father. I mean, he provides everything. He, he's a, he was or he's a very nice person, but he is a good person. And then, you know, in during this year, he provides everything. He provides everything. And, uh, you know, I thought, okay, you know, just give him a chance to keep the experience to his family because myself, I have a very good parents and I felt so bad why my kids could not have that experience and um, but, but I that's... understand it's very challenging for her mm-hmm. I don't deny it of course it's going to be challenging for her but she keep asking me I want to come back there I want to come back there I'm not going to stay here next year right after I finish my you know, 10th grade I'm going to move back to Tennessee mm-hmm. and I'm going to mm-hmm. you know, stay with my friends and, uh, you know, the, the bad story is one of her best, best friend's mom told her that she's, gonna, she's going to adapt her because I don't let her, but she knows she has a place to stay and live with them because her best friend, 
she's the only child and, you know, she, you know, she, she just wants to stay with her. Mm-hmm. They are very close friends. You know, she did not have any problem before. I mean, she was very happy, you know, I mean, I didn't have any problem with her at all. Well, this is except, except mm-hmm. the last year. I mean, just, I very, I scared to you know, lost the interest of her because popular to boys and social media and stuff. I told myself it's going to be safer for her to be here with, you know, with both of us. Okay. Um, well, I mean, you know, you, you're, you keep mentioning you lost track of her. So I understand in what you're talking about, you had to go through a lot of challenges too. It hasn't been easy for you. But we have to look at it again more from her perspective that you weren't really giving her a lot of time and attention. You didn't have time for her. And so, of course, and even at her age, she's supposed to get closer to her friends. And she went more towards that life. But then you didn't like her having that life. But I don't know what else she was supposed to do. You didn't like the friends she had. But still, you weren't giving her a lot of time and attention. So what was going to happen? She's going to become friends with them. And your daughter's not happy. And I can understand her not being happy, which means we have to work on, on that part. And you keep saying the family's back together, but I don't know how much there's been resolved in this issue. Your your son never lived with his dad. So I don't know what yeah. back together means. This is new. I think you keep yeah. making it seem like because you used to be married to this man, everything should be so easy for everyone. This is simple. It's very complicated. Very complicated. And if your kids are not happy, there's a lot to work on. Even you and your husband. I mean, I don't feel a lot the way you're talking about it, like you're in love with him. Do you do you love him? Uh, okay, I that mean, was too long. That was too long of a yeah, break. Yeah, 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 that's I my answer. I, I don't hate him, you know. Okay, but, but that's. I like him. I okay. like him, but I did not get to the point of love. Okay, but my point is, when you keep talking about, I don't know what family means to you. You're talking about families as if we're talking about a dollhouse. If you put um, a mommy doll and a daddy doll and a boy doll and a girl doll, there's a family. But real life family, there's emotions and relationships and feelings and all sorts of dynamics that are going on. Just because now you're all four back in a home doesn't mean everything is perfect and good. Even your relationship with him isn't good. doesn't sound like much of a family that you're describing to me. And she's probably very mad at him and mad at you, which I would understand. So we're just expecting her, you should be so grateful now your mom and dad are in the same home. No, not really. Mommy and Daddy don't even love each other. Daddy was really not in my life that much. Dad was a drug yeah. addict, so who knows what he was doing during that time when she was a kid. No, she didn't know that. She didn't know none of that. I know, you, but you think she doesn't know a lot of things, but if her dad was a drug addict, how much was he there for her when, he was, when she was four years old, when she was three years old? Yeah. How good was your relationship with him that it led to divorce? He, 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 they, had a very good, they have a very good relationship. Her and her dad. I mean, how do you say? She was not present, but for anything she was needed or she being, uh, you know, needed, he was there. He always answered her call, whatever she wants to order. Yeah, but I know. But not physically. Okay, yeah. Verizon will answer my call anytime I call them, too. It doesn't mean they're good parents to me. Parent needs to be there. I mean, just because he answered the phone. You keep pushing everything. You keep saying nothing is wrong. I say this no, is a problem, no, no, no. Every, and you. Was wrong. I know, but it, when I say you know, you know, he, she's probably mad at her dad and has issues with. Her. I say, oh, but you'd answer the phone. Great, but you, you know, but that's I mean, not a dad. It, I mean, it was not. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, 
I mean, uh, it was a little relationship. It was not a hateful relationship. You know, I know, I but but that's your answer to everything, is that if someone doesn't hate someone, it's great relationship. There's a difference. Hate is bad, yes, but we need love. We need time, attention, relationship. You know, you don't say, I don't hate this person, so it's a great relationship. I think you maybe don't like getting very close. I, I really keep feeling that emotions are not something you like, and you just wish they didn't exist. And really does remind me of what I just talked about in the previous segment. And so you have no idea how to deal with your daughter's feelings because you're very disconnected from your own. Everything is very calculated. Okay, well, marriage is better than not marriage and I don't want to date. And their, you know, uh, dad is better than someone new. So I'm going to be with their dad now. This is so perfect. Uh, It doesn't sound perfect to me. It sounds perfect maybe on paper. But if things aren't worked out and if there's no love between you and him, raising your kids in a loveless home is not really doing them a favor. Yeah. So I think you're, and even just the way you started the conversation was very, can you, it was almost the feeling I got. It was like, can you believe my daughter? She's unhappy. That's how I heard what you were saying. My daughter's such a problem. Yeah. Well, she has the right to be not happy. Absolutely. And maybe your son does too. Maybe your son is, you know, your son is probably going through a lot too. He never really well, lived in the same so, home. I asked him, I asked, I, asked, I asked both of them, what do you feel? Do you like, well, how do you like it? Do you like it right now or do you like it before? My son said, I love it here. Everything is fine. He's very happy. Yeah, but your son might be, your son might be very good at pretending like everything's good or he's telling you what you might want to hear. I'm not saying he's not, he's miserable. Maybe well, he no, likes no, no. it too. I can, I can tell. He doesn't hide anything. I mean, he. He's uh, extrovert. He said everything is inside of me. I mean, but I just want to double say that how he does say I know. But my daughter said, no, it was a huge mistake. My daughter said, mom, it's torture me to bring me here. You don't know how you disconnect me from the best word I had. To yeah. I, doesn't that, that make, does that make sense to you? Exactly. I mean, she's right. Yeah. I mean, she had, you told, you even said, I wasn't really there for her very much. I mean, because you were working. Okay. But you weren't there for her. So she immersed herself in her social world. And then you just told her she has to leave that. And now this is your family. When the family was never there for her, what kind of family did she have? Dad was in another state and mom, you saying you weren't very available. So what is this perfect family you keep talking about? I would be very mad, too. She had a great... She loved her friends. They supported her. They became like her family. And then you said, now you have to move here. She had zero say in it from what you're saying. Did you tell them in advance you guys were moving? Did you plan it with them? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. That part's good. But we... You know, to me, I mean, her being unhappy makes a lot of sense, especially a teenager. But even if she wasn't... And your son, I would say, I wouldn't assume he's doing so good. I'm not saying he has to be doing bad. But if your daughter's creating some drama and I won't actually talk about this after the break but whatever it is she's going through your son might be the one a lot of times in a family there's a person's like you know what there's too much stress in this home let me not add to it let me be the easy one but he might be going through more within himself than you realize let's talk a bit after the break okay just hold on the line because I want to get into even what you know how she's acting or what's going on with her okay uh, after the break okay all right you're listening to in session with Dr. Fatty Delok we will be right back Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hamra, you're still there? Yes. 
Okay. So we were talking about uh, your family situation, 15-year-old daughter, 10-year-old son, and you recently remarried the father of the kids after about a 10-year divorce about four months ago. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I do want to get into your saying your daughter has been the challenge or the problem. How has she been the problem? Um, you mentioned some things like she wants to move back and those kinds of things. She says she's not happy, but what else is going on in the home? Oh, she doesn't. She wants. She she wants to be vegetarian. She doesn't eat with us. Okay, and that's she not eats a well. Mm-hmm. You know, she eats well. You know, she you know she's. Uh, I mean, just she eats only milk, egg, and you know she's not starving herself. But you know, she doesn't eat with us. And, you know, except Sunday, you know, I said I have to be together at least on Sunday, have a meal together. And uh, her grades are good. She found a friend. But, you know, when I, when I see she's not happy as before, it makes me so mad. I mean, it makes me so upset, actually, not mad. Okay, but you said but mad. I, Why does it make you mad? Because I feel I made a mistake. Okay. So this is where we're getting mad at her feelings because how it makes you feel, which I, which is what I'm glad we're getting to. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I did everything for my kids, you know, to make them be happy. If they don't go through the stress as much as I can, I mean, they can and I can, and you know, but I told myself, you know, I ruined whatever. I tried my best for them to be happy because, you know. What I think if they are happy right now, I mean, their teen time and their childhood is going to be investment for the future. And I did my best. And I thought it was a right decision, but, uh, you know, I felt so bad. And I really want to see her happy. And, you know, the, the challenge. Yes. The challenge, she said, after I finish this year, I'm going to move back and stay with my friends. You cannot do anything about it. Mm-hmm. This is my decision, and, you know. Yeah. So because this... she wants to come to go back so bad, I and mean, she still, just, you know, she cries. She said, Mom, you missed my life. This mm-hmm. is what she's telling me. So this is, and this is where what's happening is her feelings, she has to be happy for you. That's what you're basically saying. Her, every tear she... I, I know, but no, but yes, but also, I'm sure you do care about how she feels for herself, but I want to hear what you were just saying. Basically, every tear she cries to you is evidence that you did a bad job as a mom to you. That's why. So every, you put a pressure on her that you have to be happy for mommy because when you're not happy for mommy, mommy can't handle it. Mommy feels guilty. Mommy feels upset. Mommy feels mad. All those things. And your son, you're like, thank you, son being so happy all the time because I never feel bad about maybe I did something wrong in your life. But your son has to feel sad too and we have to let him feel that and be upset and go through the troubles and struggles he's going to go through and your daughter also. So you tried your best to make their life as painless as possible which I disagree with that uh, philosophy to begin with. Of course you're not supposed to make them feel pain but sometimes by trying to make them avoid all the pain we don't do certain things that might be good for them, like for me, communicating to them about what's going on to some degree. We try to just take away everything that's painful, but we don't really let them be involved in their life or know what's going on. So it's not always the best thing to take away pain only. But nonetheless, you've tried your best to make their life as good as you can, but it doesn't mean life has not been painful. 
So if your daughter cries, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad mom. Now, maybe you did something that hurt her, but you guys getting divorced and if her dad again was, and I feel like some a theme that kept coming up was that you were saying things were not so bad. Okay, their dad was addicted to painkillers and you didn't really want to, I think, get into how bad things were, but it really was okay. They have a great relationship. You know, so you keep wanting to deny the the reality of what's going on, that life has been difficult for you, I'm sure. But let's look at your kids for your kids. Very hard, I'm sure. But also for your kids as well. So even with you trying your best, it doesn't mean your kids are going to be happy all the time. First of all, everyone, no one's going to be happy all the time. They shouldn't be. But especially for your kids, life has been very difficult for them, too. Life has been very challenging. Not having your dad in your life and your mom working Maybe you had to work to survive. I'm not saying you did what, a bad no, thing. No, you know what? You know, I just went till, you know, till, uh, like, when, like, I was working from home. I, you know, I was with, for them, like, a 24-7 till, I mean, la- last, okay. last two years. Okay. And well, then that's... I had to work because, you know, I had to work anyway. I'm sure maybe, like I said, you probably were doing what you needed to do to survive. But even still, dad was not there and there was a divorce and they didn't really know what was going on. And I don't know how dad was doing. And like I said, if you're telling me he had an addiction and the way you were kind of talking about it without getting into it was that he was not a really nice person during that time. And he wasn't a good person, which I'm sure he wasn't. And she was five years old. And so it was probably going on for a while before that. If you finally filed for divorce, the way you're talking about things, I doubt you just immediately went and filed. You probably stayed for a while. And yeah. so how how easy was her childhood? I mean, you just tell me how easy was your daughter's childhood? It was easy. It was or was not? It was very easy. Was very easy? No, I'm saying yeah. for her, I'm saying her experience. Do you think she had an easy childhood? Yeah, I asked her. I asked her, Mom, actually, it was very important. I asked her, what do you feel about your childhood? Do you like your daughter have the same life that she had? And she said, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I don't, I don't know. For, I don't quite buy it, but okay. Maybe. Be- yeah, because because I involved them with, uh, you know, four. She, she's a, you know, she was on, she's a professional gymnast now. And she co- she was coaching over there at, at her age, and she was very successful. I mean, she was very successful. She is successful, but, you know, I feel like, it, you know, why they do that? I was thinking, I, I scared, honestly. I scared that she's going around too much with people. I, you know, got to lose keep track of them. And the other side, you know, I feel like, you know, I forgive him. He asked me to get back together. I was like, well, people made a mistake. He, what did he? So what did he do that you're forgiving him for? You know the thing is, you know that that things happen because he has to do a couple of surgery back to back. I know you're, but you're giving me. I know, but you're giving me excuses. I said, what did he do? You told me why he got addicted. I, I understand you already said that once. But what, what did he do that you had to forgive him? Oh, he, um, you know, he he wasn't in touch with us, you know, whatever he wants, he provided us, and, you know, he did everything I wanted it, I mean, it's like a vegetation. Well, no, I know, what did always... what did you do that he had, you had to forgive him? What bad things did he do? I'm, you said I had oh, to... He, 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 he apologized, he apologized. No, 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 and what did he do that you needed to forgive him for? What was the bad action he did? Oh, you know, for the time, for the time, you know, he had, he was absent from the family. 
Okay. Right, but even I and I know maybe it was a miscommunication, but even in me trying to ask you what he did, you couldn't hear me to talk about the negative. Oh, what what he did? No, yeah. he just blew out everything. Okay, so that was, and so you're saying your daughter, that was really nice for your daughter also that he was blowing up everything. Um, you know, he blew out. I mean, just um, my. Uh, I mean, just my, you know, I feel, you know, how do you say? Ask your question again, exactly. When he said, I haven't heard you. What did he did right that I Why did you him? get divorced? Expl- and and the, just the negative, not the surgery. What did he do that led to divorce? Oh, because of his addiction. Because And what was he doing because of his addiction? Oh, because because he's he sober. No, no. What was he doing then that was bad? Bad. Just tell me the bad things he did. What did he do that made you get a divorce? Only his divorce. Only, only his. Um, I'm sorry. Only his um, addiction. But what, what was that? He did he financially? Financially, he used all of my, uh, you know, accounts uh-huh. and uh, you know. I don't want to go. I know. I I get it. I want you to understand. Idea. Your resistance to talking about it is really almost incredible. I couldn't get. Okay. I mean, just uh, the economy. I mean, just uh, financially, he he put everything to the to, toward the negative. Okay. I mean, just negative. Everything turned down toward the negative. And how? Doing, and how was I he think, emotionally? After he sobered, he turned back <laughs> to the normal. I, can you hold on? What, did, you, did you just hear what happened? Yeah. You can't even say it. You can't even talk about it. I said, what was he doing emotionally back then? He's so good now. I didn't ask you oh, that. Oh, because, you know, because he ignored, he was, he was, not, he was a different person. I, I mean, he was not the person he should be for me and for a family. Okay, for I know. Life. I know. But I, I still, I'm not sure if you're aware of how much you're trying to deny what happened. No, I don't deny it. I, I've been through it. I'm sure you've been through it. But, I mean, even for me to ask you, I have to ask you in 45 different ways for you to even say one word about it. And you tell me about today again. I'm, I'm sure. Okay, that's. I'm not saying that's good. I'm you glad. You asked me. You asked me what he did yes. wrong. Yes. Or how? No. What did he wrong? I asked you 15 different times. What did he do bad that made you get a divorce? And you told me oh, he's he so much nicer now. He didn't. Okay, because you know, addiction comes with lots of it. He he didn't come home. He didn't show. He didn't come home uh-huh. during that time. Mm-hmm. He was absent. He was not aware. That he's sick, and you know he didn't show up. Oh, oh, I got you. No, I'm sorry, I got you. He didn't show up. He didn't come home for like a month or on and off. I asked him, uh, "Where are you doing?" Because we have had a good marriage since. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you know, all those things suddenly happened. Okay, and I'm I, still I, trying to. So you're telling me for your like three, four year old daughter, this was a good childhood. Dad doesn't come home for a month. Without knowing um, where he that, is. That, that, that part, yeah, but that part was stressful for them. Yeah, that for sounds sure. horrible. Yeah, well, for them, there was only your daughter at this point. Yes, Okay. It was only. Okay, so my point again is like when you talk about, you know, even when you ask her, was your childhood good? It's like you want her to tell you it was good. You and I know her childhood was not good. Yeah, it was not normal, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was really bad. But again, you're denying the pain, and that's why she can't even tell you I'm in pain now. 
because I think you also take too much responsibility for everything. Now you are responsible. You married this man, you helped create this marriage, and now you're back with him. So you do have a lot of responsibility. Obviously, your daughter has really almost no power or responsibility in what's going on. But your daughter, it makes sense to me she's not happy here. And yeah, I think you're trying to gloss crazy. over everything too much. No, no, I just want to say, how, how can I fix it? I mean, how, what can I do right now? Well, I think the most important thing is you have to acknowledge her pain, that she, you get that it's hard what she's going through. I told her that. I said, I understand it's very difficult, you know, we're going to get a better life and, you know, going to go to better college. And um, I acknowledge that, you know, I, I absolutely asked her so bad when she was crying and said, mm -hmm. Mom, you know, just you and my. Uh, she told me the high school is the best time of everyone's life. Mom, you ruined it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm so mad at you. I'm not going to invite you to my wedding. And all those stuff. She's very mad. Yeah. Uh, I understand. I understand. Okay. But honestly, with you, I did not know it's going to be that bad. I, was I understand. I understand you don't know it's that bad. But when you say she's the problem, to me, that's the wrong way of looking at the situation. I said it, I said it, no, she's not a problem. The situation is a problem okay. right now. I, I agree I with that. I mean, the situation is a problem. I yeah. see, I, you know, I felt so guilty that I shouldn't do that, you know, maybe at all. Or, um, because right. I try to do something better, the other way it makes it worse. It I might know. have, and I think... To me, again, the way you talk about everything, you try to take the bad and the emotion out of everything. Okay, it was their their dad, so how could this be hard? It should be easy for everyone. Oh, the bad things that happened? No, it wasn't so bad. He's better now. And don't even mention I, that. It was. It was very bad. Okay. I mean, there's a worse of worse. Okay, but so, but I, I'm saying when you talk about their childhood being good, you were trying to convince me that the yeah, she had no, a good childhood. It, her childhood was not, I mean, her childhood absolutely was not normal. Okay. But compare for what we've seen in society. No, that's was, not what I'm, that's not what I'm asking you. Does well, someone, does I, someone I have it, let me, afford, does someone have it worse normal. than, does someone have it worse than your daughter? Absolutely. But that's not my question. I'm asking, you're telling me someone goes to the hospital with one broken leg. Does someone else have two broken legs? Yes, but that broken leg still hurts a lot and needs to get help. Yeah, for sure she did not have a normal life. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what I want you to... And I want you to recognize that as long as you keep taking so much responsibility for anything she's ever felt, you're not going to allow her to feel her feelings. If her being sad means I'm a bad mom, you want to allow her to have feelings and you'll get mad at her. As you said, I'm mad at her for being sad. I'm mad at her for not being happy. Look at my son... He's taking it so well. Why can't she take it better? And again, I'm still concerned about your son, and I wouldn't just say he's happy, everything's perfect, because he tells you that. It's too hard for you to tolerate them not being happy because you don't like feelings in general and because you take too much responsibility for what they feel and you feel guilty. But your daughter's in a lot of emotional turmoil. She's not feeling good, and a lot of it probably comes from the past. A lot hasn't been dealt with, I'm sure, from even childhood. So you guys need to get some help. I hope either, you know, whether it's family therapy, her going to therapy, even you going to therapy, because you have to face a lot of your own feelings and deal with it. Because as long as you can't tolerate your own feelings, you won't be able to tolerate her having any feelings. She can't be sad because that's going to make you feel guilty and bad. And you're going to get mad at her. And your son, maybe he's picking up on the fact that mommy wants me to be happy. 
and he might even be exaggerating that or hiding some of his negative feelings. I know you're saying he's very extroverted. That doesn't necessarily mean he's not hiding things. Actually, extroverts are better at hiding things because they can talk and fill up the space and then not talk about the things they don't want to talk about. And you think, oh, he told me all about his day, so I know about his day. He's fine. But maybe he doesn't tell you about being sad or upset or having a hard time with what's going on. Maybe he sees your reaction. He says, oh, mommy wants me to be so happy, so let me actually tell her I'm so happy to be here and we have a family again. This is great because he sees your reaction. He might be more aware. He, your daughter probably is thinking a little bit more about herself, which is actually not necessarily bad. Your son is actually probably better at looking at other people's feelings and guessing what they want him to do and picking up on that. So to me, I don't think your son is doing so great and your daughter do, is doing so bad. I get that that's how it looks to you, but I want you to actually allow for them both to not be okay. Well, they are, as long as they, you know, express their feelings, I'm coming just, what can I do? I understand, okay. but for them but, to express your feelings, they have to feel that it's okay to express their feelings. Oh, yeah, I always, you know, you know, if they say something, I don't overreact. Okay. I just say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I understand. If I made a mistake, let's see how we can, you know, how you know i asked my daughter okay now we are here how can i help i mean how you can help you know what she said move back move back yeah makes sense makes sense to her that's the that's the only way right now that's how she feels she's you guys have been here four months so we also want to be patient with her I, i don't expect her to be happy here especially at her age and moving and it was not her choice and she had her whole life there socially we want to understand that that's that's what she wants for her is to move back it's not a what she's saying is not strange makes sense yeah, yeah makes sense yeah but you know if she was you know you know i i told her you know before even before even we moved here we uh, went to counseling all together mm-hmm. we had two hours two sessions we had a counseling all together and you know she said it's okay mom if i come over there if i don't like it i'll be back oh we're gonna move back but she told me and what did you say and i say let's see you're gonna like it Right, and so you I didn't say it. no to that either. So no, to her, I that was no. yeah, right. So that's to her on the table. We came here. I didn't like it. I want to move back. So I mean, you guys have a lot of work to do, but I want you to recognize how much I feel that you're not recognizing the difficulties and everything you guys are going through, and because of the guilt you feel, you're not allowing her to be upset, and you have to recognize this is hard I for her. It. Yeah, I want her to, I mean, I understand that he's upset. I knew he's going to have a challenge. Yes. But I didn't know he can, I didn't know this part that is, he cannot settle that bad, you know. Yeah, so you're blaming her. You're still blaming her. At the end, you were blaming her. No, 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 no. I don't blame her. What did you say? You can't know. Yes. I mean, my knowledge, I'm a lack of my knowledge that I did not know. How much it would be painful for her? Okay, you know? but, but I think you. But that's the thing is you've underestimated pain throughout her whole life, and still do, yeah. and and don't want to look at it. Like, again, I had to ask you maybe twenty times, what did he do that was not good, and you couldn't even hear my words. Which it's not just a language or communication thing. You didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to look at it. So to me, that means you're doing that a lot. So you're gonna have to look at the pain even more and recognize she's gonna be sad. I hope you guys get some help, but. I again for me the wording was important. My daughter is the problem. That's not the situation I'm hearing. The situation is 
a very problematic the situation. Yes, yes, the situation is okay. Yes, right. Okay. So it's like, you know, it's like saying if someone punched me in the face and saying my face is the problem. It's like, no, the person punched me, <laughs> no, that's no, the problem. I, I, I worded wrong. Okay, but no, but the wording, say. the reason why as therapists we pay attention to the wording is because it does usually mean a lot. It does show how you see it. My son is doing so well. Why is my daughter the problem? Why doesn't she just be happy? That's how I heard what you said, and I think that's how you feel, which I can understand, but it's not realistic, and it's not going to help. Now, I do have to wrap up because we have other callers I want to get to, but I hope you'll shift the perspective a little bit if you can. Maybe even call back another time. We can get into it a little bit more, okay? Okay, thank you Nice so talking. You have a great day. Thank Bye-bye. You too. All right, we reach our next commercial break. We'll be right back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Dr. Holakwe. Hi, thanks for calling. Thank you so much for taking our My call. Pleasure. And, um, that's so great. Wednesdays are great. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you for calling. You know, there's uh, there's a little bit of an echo. I don't know if we're on speaker. Are you on? Um, no, I'm not on speaker. Okay. But, we'll see if we can make it work. Um, let me change. Okay, go ahead. Let me, I'm going to change that on my um, headphone. There you so, go. That's actually um, better. Thank you. Nice. Um, so my, my question is kind of general at the same time, a little bit specific. But um, I, I'm hoping that they, all the Iranian ladies, they have the same question in their head, and I hope that they have the answers, but I don't. Okay. Um, and this is all about Iranian men, Iranian men's sexuality. I don't know what is it with them. I, I mean, I hardly can see, I can hardly have a conversation with a man, Iranian man. And um, I don't notice that he's looking at, his, at my chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hardly can go to a party and I can uh, feel the, the way that they look. Even I, I, wear, so, I wear very decent. And um, I mean, I'm not exposing myself to anything, but I'm not, I don't understand why, especially the men that they're older, like 60s and plus or 55s and plus, I don't understand what is in their head. The new thing that they now um, kind of uh, common between Iranian men is, and I was expecting this to be in Iran, you know, when, when there's not much uh, freedom at least, you know, in general and in public, but in closed door, they are doing everything like that. But it's like using applications like Telegram. They are they are sharing porns together, and mm-hmm. I can tell you that these are the men that when you look at them, they they seem so decent. They are doctors. They are dentists. They are, um, I mean, they are they are very professional people. Yeah. They are the people that you think that he's married, he has four kids. and But, um, I mean, I don't understand. And when I, I asked um, one of them, I said, what is this? And he was telling me, this is a man's thing. They said, this is a man's thing? What is, they said, yeah, all the men, they do it. They do? What, what are you talking about? You say, you're saying watching porn? Yeah, I'm talking about sharing porn in applications like Telegram. They watch porn, they share... They, mm-hmm. share, they send the porn videos together, and they give each other thumbs up. <laughs> when you say and porn, they, now do you mean videos or videos of themselves? Um, 
No, I haven't, but I can understand how it works. But I'm still trying to understand if you mean they're sending videos of themselves or videos they've seen online no, and they no, share no, with video, each other. It's videos that is, it's been shared. So I'm thinking that these are mostly coming from Iran. You know, oh, they, it's so. coming from because the network that they have is so huge and so big. So everyone is some, every people that they have Telegram, it doesn't yeah. matter. As long as they find it group that is looking for this stuff they join and then sure. they do this stuff. so let's let's so, I'm, let I'm, me ask you I'm first amazed. hold on one second how old are you by the way i am on my uh, late 40s late 40s okay um so now looking at porn i think it can have a negative effect but it's pretty common so to say these men are or these men do this or these men can you believe it I do believe it. Most men are looking at pornography. It doesn't necessarily make them bad people or that they're going to be bad in any way. It's just people share these things. When uh, Now it's, you know, you're right, on the internet it's different. When they were younger, they would share magazines with each other that had pictures in them or look at things. So this is not something completely new. Yes, the way they're doing it is new. And it also doesn't mean something necessarily bad. To, to look mm-hmm. at that. I think overall the effect of porn, it can be bad on sex and we there even is research looking at that. But to say that mm-hmm. these men have to be bad men because they look at porn, I wouldn't agree with that. Because mm-hmm. sexuality is a very, um, there's a lot to sexuality and sometimes in certain cultures when we look at sexuality as something so negative, we think of anything, any expression of sexuality is negative. Now, I'm not saying porn mm-hmm. is necessarily that, but sometimes even now, if a man is looking at you in a way that you think is disrespectful, that's one thing. But for someone to be attracted mm-hmm. to someone is not a bad thing necessarily, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, to me, the idea of sharing porn and they share it with each other, I can get that you don't like it or to you maybe it seems a little bit strange. But to me, that wouldn't mm-hmm. mean that these people have to be bad human beings or can't be good at what they do or that they even are not necessarily loyal to their partners. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that if you watch porn, you're not loyal to your partner. And mm-hmm. women watch porn also. It's not only men. Men watch more, maybe. But mm-hmm. women are watching too, and it doesn't mean they're bad women if they enjoy pornography. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, okay. So because I don't think, I don't have any friends to share with me any porn. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe women do it less. But the way you're also talking about it, I don't think anyone's going to share porn with you if you're talking about it in this way. So you don't, you, we shouldn't expect that that's going to happen. It doesn't mean none of your friends watch porn. I can assure you some of them do. Mm-hmm. So it's so obvious for men. I think especially I, I'm seeing this in Iranian men. I'm seeing, I'm seeing this, you know, their thirst for sexuality, their thirst for... Finding these stuff. They're but sex is a, is a, a connection with another woman. Okay. You know, well, that's different. Like a, okay. There, again, this is <laughs> where I want you to, I think you're kind of putting everything into one basket that, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to, wanting sex is a, is a human want. Even you can call mm-hmm. it a need or a desire. So that itself mm-hmm. is not bad. Now, if you tell me someone is married and they want to have sex with other women or be sexual with other women, I'd say, yeah, that's, that's morally to me wrong. Clearly that's mm-hmm. wrong. But to me, you're making it sound like, any kind of sexual desire is bad, which makes me want you to think about how do you feel about sex yourself or even wanting sex yourself. Right. Yeah, I, I am okay with, I mean, sex, I enjoy sex. So I don't okay. care about, you know, that I'm totally fine with it. Okay. But the, the, the thing that the, the 
the church that you can, I mean, when I talk to an Iranian man, I can, he cannot have a straight conversation with me just in my eyes and look at me and talk. I can see him go up and down and stare and all this stuff. When I, when I go to the, you know, parties or something, I see that the guy that has happily married all the, from the, across from the party, he's staring at me. And it's like a, a it's, you know what I'm saying? I don't see this in American people. I see that when they have a conversation with me, we talk, we discuss, you know, we, we have a conversation. But what I see in Iranian men, it's like they're always looking for something that makes them, I don't know, feel good. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what, what are they looking for. And, well, I mean, um, I think you do know what they're looking for. You maybe don't want to say it and you don't have to say it. But, and I don't think it's a purely Iranian thing. But you might be right. In Iranian culture, there is, I, I think there definitely are some things that make the men think they can maybe look or have a little bit more power than they do in other cultures. But American men are looking at women, too. And in other countries, you'll see these things as well. So I don't want you to think it's only Iranian men. And, you know, it's a blurry line between what is looking and how are they looking, because I wouldn't say if you're married, you can't look at other people at all. But yes, if you look in a way that you're wandering and trying to get their attention and trying to flirt or trying to, you know, sexualize the the interaction... Mm-hmm. Yes, that I think is a problem. But to say you're not allowed to look at anything or anyone anymore is a little bit different, depending on what looking means, you know, or how they're looking. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that mm-hmm. makes you feel uncomfortable the way they look. And sometimes it could be that they're looking in a way that's not okay, that is objectifying, that doesn't feel good. I still wonder mm-hmm. what your own feeling is about being sexual or someone approaching you in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. If there's a discomfort no. you have with that, because if you're meeting someone and I think it's good to be respectful and talk, but if you're meeting someone and it's in a dating kind of a way, they're going to want to mm-hmm. know what you look like and they're going to look at you. Mm-hmm. Now, the way they do that against me, there is a difference in how you look at someone that can be mm-hmm. more or less respectful, but it mm-hmm. could be that you don't like that they're sexualizing you at all. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know you said you enjoy sex. It's you're comfortable with it. Look. Yeah, it's a sexual look, and that's why I have to, I, I walk away. I, I, you know, if I'm sitting there, I just go try to, you know, stop this there or something well, like let that. Me, let me ask you this, though. If, if you're attracted right. to the man and would, were interested in them, would you be okay with them looking at you in that way? I am married, so no, it's okay. not okay. Okay. So Do you have this issue with your husband? It's like there is no boundary there. I mean, the guy is married, and I am right. married. And, sure. I, mean, I, I don't agree with that, and people do those things and, and take it more than just looking, and I don't agree with that. But I'm wondering, with your own husband, do you have these issues of how he looks at people? No, I think it's very cute. I have no issues with that. No, no, does he look at people in a way that you don't like? Oh, the way that he looks at other people. Um, has this been an issue with you and him that you don't like the way he's being? Or maybe a couple times it happens, okay. and I told him that you know I try just to walk away or turn around or you know just try to ignore it. But that's what I'm saying. That there is no. I mean, even no, but I mean, I'm I mean, saying your husband. Dad, no, but you're saying your husband but, looking at other women in a way you didn't like. You walked away. Um, when I'm thinking that, okay, someone come in and he's, he's not looking sexual, but he got that tension, then I just try to make myself busy. 
Because I think this is this is the Iranian thing. I think this is the Iranian culture that is. I mean, I'm telling you, even my dad is like that, and he's married for like six. Well, you know, but but like the that. thing is, you're you know what you're saying about your husband. I wouldn't just say it has to be a certain way, um, and mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what he's doing. You're allowed to talk to him if he does something you don't like. It doesn't mean he has to stop or he's doing something wrong. But I think it's better mm-hmm. for you to tell him how you feel than to just try to distract mm-hmm. yourself because some of this mm-hmm. anger that also is brewing in you could be because mm-hmm. you're so mad at him. You look at other men and you get mad at them too. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. The way that you you mentioned, they are watching porn and it's okay. That's what I got from you. Men <laughs> I hope that wasn't the only thing you got. But yeah, it's not necessarily means no, they're a bad so, person. So yeah. That, right. So that's what I'm thinking. That okay, men watching porn is okay. So if they look at me, they can look at me as naked too. So it's okay because mm. when they watch so many mm. porns, they are then they probably every woman that they see, they're gonna say, okay, how does it, her breast look? It like can have that effect, but again, I'm not saying this is not something new because of porn. Men have maybe thought that way before, too. Um, you know what? I want to give us a few more minutes, and we've kind of over way past the commercial break. So hang on the line. Let's talk a little bit more. But I do want you to reflect a little bit more about you personally. You keep making about the general, and I wanted to, uh-huh. we, we got to talk a little bit more about you. So just hang on. We'll talk after the break, okay? Okay. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delok. We will be right back. Back before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Okay. Hi, Hi. Okay. So, um, you're talking about what seems to be almost like an anger you have towards men for the way they act sexually or being too sexual, and even if they're married, looking at a woman in a sexual way or the experiences you've had. And like I said, I did want to bring it back from the general more specifically to you in your mm-hmm. own experience and also to you and your husband because you said sometimes it does happen where you feel like he's looking mm-hmm. at a woman in a way that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering... I wanted, yes, go ahead. I wanted to specific that to my friend. Like my my friend was sitting next to me and then when she sat down next to me, she told me that, oh, my husband is a jerk. So, and then and my, my husband was in a um, meeting with someone, with another American, and she came to him and said, where is your wife? And then I talked to another of my friends. She said that, I was telling them, yeah, have you seen the messages they're sending to each other? And my, my, my friend was furious and I said, why, is my husband sending any messages to any girl? I mean, it's like a fear that is all over. I mean, it's, it's like a, and, and I think we are living in this civilized country, and you think that all of these should be already resolved, you know, because we are human beings, we have all the freedom. But it looks like the fear in women and the men to act like that is like very general. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very normal, basically. You have to live with it, I guess. Maybe, <laughs> and you know, I, I, in a way I agree with you. I sometimes have talked before on my show about how, um, infidelity sometimes, I mean, I, I understand it's real, but I do feel like people can take it too lightly or not think it's such a big deal. And women are catching up to men. Maybe they've even equaled men in, in affairs. But um, this idea that sometimes maybe you're talking about that it's okay for a man to cheat or it's expected that he will cheat. I don't agree with that. And I don't think it's good for us to make it seem like it's okay or expected. So 
in that sense, I do agree with you. But you're, it is something we have to deal with, you know, being civilized or not civilized or wherever you're living. Infidelity is a real thing, and not just about infidelity, but when we're in relationships, we have to accept that it's going to be challenging. I think both people should be committed. I don't agree at all that someone should cheat. If you're not happy in the relationship, you should work on the relationship or leave the relationship if that doesn't work. Um, but we have to always work in a relationship to keep the love alive and keep things okay and check in with our partner how they're doing and let them know how we're doing. You know, relationships take a lot of work and not every affair happens because the relationship is falling apart. It does sometimes happen in other ways, but we know that there's a lot we can do to keep the relationship stronger that we need to do anyway, not just be out of fear of infidelity, but we should try to make the relationship as good as we can. You know, that does involve work and effort and it's always going to be there. Um, but then if it's specifically something you're feeling with your husband, that's something that it's important for you to think about. Now, so do you worry about that with your own husband? I'm thinking because he is part of this group. Actually, I'm thinking that I should not go to the parties anymore because I'm thinking we are surrounded by these people. And, you know, eventually it's going to affect you. It's going to affect me or my husband anyway. What are these people? Are but what do these people do at the party that's so bad? Or what is it that you want to keep him away from? As I mentioned, I mean, when I go there, I don't feel comfortable because I see the stairs. I see the handshake that is a little bit firmer than it's supposed to be. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a handshake that they give you a signal. You know, something like that. It's, it's so awful. It's, yeah. it's like uh. you don't feel comfortable. You know, something so hidden and something so secretive. And it looks like the man that is already married and has kids, he wants to have a connection with you. And this is disgusting. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't understand this. Why? I never had this kind of experience with Americans. Never, ever. But, uh, I mean, I'll let I you... I, I mean, understand. I get... Uh, you know, but your experience... It seems like much more of your experiences are with Iranians and um, Americans have affairs also. So... I don't, you know, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not trying to say that we should accept it more, but I'm just letting you know the idea that you keep saying that Americans are not doing these things is not true. Now, I do think that mm -hmm. in Persian culture, Iranian culture, there are ways that men uh, can be, there's definitely more of a male-dominated culture that I don't think is a good mm -hmm. thing. And so I think there are some more negative things in the culture that I see when it comes to male and female relationships so i could i'm not saying it's completely not true what you're saying but i also want you to not think other people in the world are not having affairs or doing any of the things only iranians are doing them that's not the case but i can see how you don't like those things you're talking about i'm wondering if you and your husband talk about these things at all do you talk to yeah, him about we, this? We, yeah, we talked about it. I, I didn't tell him all this stuff that I told you because it probably makes him very angry. Okay. And, but I, I just told him that I think we should, um, we should, you know, just be very selective with the people that we go to. And, you know, um, it's just better to have a couple of friends and that's it. And it doesn't go anywhere for us. So, um, yeah, but it's just something that I saw mostly. And I wonder, I wanted to have to justify that for myself. So I'm so glad that you mentioned about the porn. Now I know that, okay, all men are watching porn, so it's okay. <laughs> well, like I said, it does, <laughs> most most are, yes, so it's, but it doesn't necessarily make them bad. I do think, and they're doing research showing how watching porn can affect 
the ways people approach sex or even the their, what they want in sex and lots of different things. So uh, I'm not trying to tell you porn is good and there is no consequences, but I do don't want you to think that if someone watches them, it makes them a bad person or means they're going to do something bad or not be loyal. But I do want okay. you to come back to you and your husband. Think about that situation more and how you feel. Because some of this, yes, you might have to accept, but I'm also hearing that the way you communicate with your husband, and you know, you're talking about Iranian things or things in Iranian culture, we're very big mm-hmm. on avoiding our feelings or not talking about feelings or thinking it's better not to talk about a lot of things. And that to me is a bigger problem, that you and your husband should be able to communicate about a lot more of these things about sex, sexual relationships, if you feel uncomfortable. I get it that if it's maybe his friends, it's mm-hmm. it's a sen- very delicate topic to bring up that I felt that your friend was right. coming on to me or trying to flirt with me or whatever. So I get that right. it's not the easiest thing to bring up, but I'm hearing a few things just in the short time we've talked where you've avoided bringing up your feelings to him, that he looked at someone in a way you didn't like, but you don't tell him you try to distract yourself. Or these other things are happening with your friends, and rather than telling him the truth, you're saying, we shouldn't be friends with these kinds of, this group, we should be friends with another group, because you don't want to tell him what you're going through. So I would just think about those issues that, uh, you know, hiding and avoiding is usually not a good way. It's not going to be the way to have a happy relationship, and it's not making you happy. Look at how much you're dealing with. So I would think about those issues for yourself. Okay, I will. Thank you very, very sure. much. Sure. Thanks Thank for you. your call. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right, let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hello, doctor. Uh, thank you very much for taking me. Sure. Uh, I have three daughters, and I have some questions about them. Okay. One of them, I'm not sure, should I ask all of them together or just go one well, one? well, maybe go one at a time. So you have three daughters. Tell me how old they are first. Okay, the first one is 13, the second one is 9 plus, the other one is 6 plus. Okay. So, and we are here for 11 years, mm-hmm. came up from Iran. So, the thing is, uh, it's first time growing uh, at the teenager here. They taught us lots of, we had, we had lots of classes, but the only class we didn't take, we never had that, how to uh, deal with uh, teenagers. Mm-hmm. So... I hope my poor English is going to help me to explain myself. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. Go uh, ahead. Uh, my, first, my, my oldest one, which is 13, she's, she's doing very good in her school. She's, she's active. She goes to basketball, to volleyball, and, uh, and then gymnastics. She has friends. But uh, the question is, when she is bored, mm-hmm. how should we, uh, I mean, uh, face that? So she's always bored, you know, you know, teenagers, how they <laughs> yeah. react. And, um, yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting thing to bring up um, boredom, because sometimes, sometimes we think that boredom is a horrible, really bad thing, but it's not all bad. Now, it depends on how much we're talking about. I'm not saying she should be bored 10 hours out of the day, but a little bit of being bored or not being sure or trying to figure out what to do on their own is not a bad thing. And some psychologists have written about this that, you know, just even in my generation of being a kid, we were left alone a lot more to figure out things. And it actually forced us to sometimes be creative, to daydream, explore things. And that's actually good. So, again, having her be involved in activities and all that is also good. But if she's bored sometimes, that's not necessarily a really bad thing that we have to really figure out and deal with we always want to be aware when someone says bored is it something else is there sadness or anxiety that they're talking about 
also, so I wouldn't just hear it as only yeah. board. Yeah, By the, sorry, so sorry. if you could turn off the radio because it's uh, coming. I just, I just did that. Okay, so thank you. No problem, no problem. Um, uh, yeah. uh, but so I would also think about those issues if it's not just about boredom. But So what's your concern about her boredom? Okay, it's, it's okay. Um, I think this starts from two years. She's in eighth uh, grade. Two mm-hmm. years ago when I bought her a cell phone, uh, I, always I think I, I, I did a mistake by buying her cell phone. She is, you know, always in games, this and that. And the question is, she, she actually, let's say if we want to go, you know, how we Iranian, we go, you know, all family events to brothers, you know, first cousins, this and that. Mm-hmm. And we are a huge family with kids, this and that. But sometimes it's just like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. She wants to stay home. And it's... I want to tell. I want to tell. Maybe half an hour a day. I don't want to give her ten or five hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I. She's all, all, all family. They, they talk. They, they talk very highly about our kids. They're so good, obedience, this and that. You know, they're very active. But, but since she's our first one to become teenager, and she asks questions sometimes. If I don't, I, if I have, if I have no answer. I personally, I do not answer. I just, I, I don't know. I need to think about it. But her mom always finds an answer, which is wrong. And she, and yeah. this makes them to, to fight. Uh, but, I mean, not to fight, to argue with each other. But, but with me, if she comes out, this is nice. Let me think about it. Yeah. And I really think about it. Listen to your dad's, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Walker's uh, program, your program. So suddenly I find an answer and I tell her if, if, if she comes, asks again or not. Sometimes I just ignore her questions after... Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ignore. I like what you were saying before, and I definitely agree. Parents sometimes think they have to have an answer for everything. Parents in general, but especially Iranian parents, we think we have to be kind of knowledgeable about everything and have an answer for every dilemma. And it's sometimes you can say, "I don't know," whether it's a moral issue or or whether it's a knowledge issue. You're not going to know everything, so I think that's good. I wouldn't ignore her question, but I would always acknowledge that she's asking, and you can tell her, "I don't know." I I do agree with you. doesn't follow the question let's uh, let's uh, if i tell her okay let me think about it and if i if i uh, i mean if, if she doesn't come and ask the question again after two three days should i just go back to her you know according to your dad's question this is my answer well oh, this I is think, why i think i or, think or no. so i mean it depends now i mean not maybe not every time but i think if you're telling her let me think about it and get back to you if you're really being honest with her that means you get back to her because if it's the other way this sounds like you're trying to avoid it that's different than I really do want to think about this and talk to you about it. You're just saying, oh, that's kind of a question I'd rather not talk about. I'm going to say, let me think about it, but I'll never bring it up again. So I think if you're going to be honest with her, then if you say, I'm going to think about it, then you can bring it up with her, or you probably should, to say, you know, I thought about what you said. And maybe she'll say, oh, Dad, I don't care anymore. Or she'll say, yeah, I want to know what you have to say. But I wouldn't use it as a way of avoiding that's what it's. Uh-huh. And now I'm hearing you're saying, oh, the mom gets into a fight. I'm learning a way to avoid it. Avoidance is not going to be really the, the way we want to approach things. Now, I'm at a commercial break and I have one more segment. So what I'm going to do is take the commercial and then we'll have about maybe 13, 14 minutes after the break to talk a little bit more about this and we'll see what else we can get into. Okay. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadir Walk. We will be right back. Back before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to now. Hello. Yes, sir. Okay, so yes, we're talking sir. about you have three daughters, 13, 9, and 6. We're talking about the 13-year-old and how 
Um, one issue that you're bringing up is when she asks, we, first you talked about the boredom, but then you said when she asks a question, knowing how to respond to her if you don't yeah. know. But like I said, I w first I did like that you were saying that if you don't know, you tell her you don't know. But then it did also seem like you were saying you don't know just to avoid the conversation. Because, no, no, not all the time. No, I, sure. I, I, that was a question. If I don't answer it, if I, is it okay? If, it it I can mean, be. I'm not going to say literally any time everything comes up, you have to make sure you talk about it. But if you told her, you know, that's an important question and I want to think about it or I have to look at some things, I think it is good to then bring it back up, even if okay. she doesn't. And again, the fact that you're saying, should I bring it up, sounds like you don't want to talk about it, so you'd rather not talk about it. That's why I'm saying there's yeah. an avoidance element to it. Um, because I'm sure if she asked you, oh, Dad, why is the sky blue and you didn't really know the science, you'd go learn it and you tell her and you guys have a nice conversation. But if it's a more maybe emotionally sensitive topic or maybe she's asking you about sex or drugs or something that you're more uncomfortable talking about, as a lot of parents can be, you might rather avoid it than to talk about it. And I'd say even if it's uncomfortable, I would hope you still have that conversation with her. Okay. Is it sometimes those kinds of issues, more sensitive issues that you try to avoid? Okay. Uh, let me let me just give you an example. Sure. Uh, last, last year she just came to me, and I noticed that they're arguing with her mom, and my, my wife came. You know what? She's asking to take her, her eyebrows, okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in... in and then she's, uh, and uh, I mean, the cultural, you know, Iranian, you know, they don't do that, that at least until they get, these days, they, at, at least they, they get 16, 17. So she's, uh, not necessarily, I, 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 okay, it depends. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and my, and my concern was, uh, I think it's too early she, to, she become busy with her face, you know, I mean, she's going to focus more on her self to become cool, this and that. And I talk about her, how, you know, um, uh, I mean, try to, to, to explain her, I mean, being cool is not all the time cool, you know, this and that. So, so she just asked me straight that, what is wrong if I take my eyebrows? Uh, eyebrows? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, I never thought about this, and I never, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't even think that you were going to ask me this question this early. But the thing is, in our culture, your mom, when, when got married, you know, before that, she had, we were in Iran. But here, I totally understand, it's totally different. But the thing yes. is, why you want to do it? So I asked her a question, and she was, because, you know, my friends, this and that, this is, mm -hmm. my friends are taking eyebrows, this and that. I said, okay, she, and she has some friends that, you know, their parents are educated people, you know, American, Mexican, I mean, Iranian. They're all, you know, successful families. So I said, do they, are they doing it? She said, not all of them. I said, okay, how about if we wait? See if when I mean let let's see let's let's wait for that and let me think about it. Okay, but and yeah, so that's clearly let me think about it means delay it because if we don't bring it up for six months, she wouldn't have done it for six months. But the thing is, you know, she might have some American friends who their eyebrows don't need to get plucked at this yes. age. So exactly. it, it's not fair to just say, well, if they don't do it, you shouldn't do it. And I know some Persians have a very big thing about this, like even you shouldn't do your eyebrows until you get married or something like yeah, that. Right? In the, yeah. yeah, but that's I mean that's very old school and that's in Iran and that doesn't really make sense to me but to me it's like you're saying she shouldn't focus on that it's really to you this has an emotional reaction to it because you could also say well she shouldn't care about how she looks so let's just dress her in gray pants and shirt every day no matter what so she doesn't care about appearance you know what i mean so it, it's not a black or white thing where this eyebrows has to be some crossing some line that's not okay i think for you and your wife it has an emotional reaction that 
doing eyebrows maybe what does that mean to you if she did her eyebrows other than uh, you know, you're saying your words should be focused. Does that have some meaning of now she's going to date or now it makes her a diff- a woman? Does it have some mm-hmm. impact? No, no, no. I'll, I'll, my concern is is just, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, as I said, I just, I don't want, um, I mean, I was thinking until this moment and you just explained it to me, which I, I, I changed my mind. But my mind was until this moment that it's just too early for her. I don't want her to be busy with these things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, which, which you just told me that, okay, she, she I mean, I, I totally understand why, I mean, I, actually, I changed my mind. Okay. I just changed it. Well, I'm, thank you. I appreciate Can you I, being open to that. And one thing I'll say also, you know, you know, a lot of times I, you're not the first parent to be dealing with this, obviously, but sometimes, you know, we have to be aware that our kid, you know, being a Persian kid living in America, a lot of the kids, they don't have eyebrows that they have to worry about and then if your daughter is the one who has her eyebrows connected she has she okay. has a beautiful persian you yeah know, but to you to you beautiful and they maybe used to paint them certain ways and they i've seen those what do they call them miniature or whatever they call them these paintings but maybe it's not what's you know fashionable here just like you know you can say your grandma used to wear these kinds of you know clothes that was like popular in her village but if she wears it to school she's gonna get laughed at so just yeah. because it's beautiful to you know our culture or to your eyes to her and what's happening in society, maybe it's not. So if she's the only one who has a unibrow, as they might call it, where it's connected, she might be getting made fun of and teased for that. She might even get bullied for that. And to me, taking, you know, having that, you know, taking care of that's not something, a huge deal. So we have to be aware of that. You know, I I know a lot of parents will say a daughter shouldn't shave their legs or do this or do this till a certain age. But sometimes they might be getting made fun of for those reasons. You have to be aware of how it's actually affecting them and the attachments that we sometimes put or we have this idea, well, you know, I'm not saying you're thinking this, but if they shave their legs, that means we're saying sex is okay or they're going to become sexual in some way. Or if they do their eyebrows now, they're open to dating because no girl in Iran would do their eyebrows until they were ready for I don't know what. So uh, we have to be aware of what we bring to the situation that has our own emotional and cultural baggage and it might be very different from what she's asking for or experiencing here. Uh, and her other question was that, that when I am allowed to have boyfriends. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you said, let's talk about that in 20 years. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, well, I cannot. I said, I said, well, I do not. I mean, I totally agree with being boyfriend and girlfriend because your mom and me we were in love for three years and this and that. But I just want to tell you that I was back then after 20s. My career was almost, I mean, I was finished my, with my school. I mean, I, I was trying to explain in my way how I think is right, I, I, which I, I'm not sure how, how, I mean, how right I am or not. But I was trying to tell that. I mean, I do not ignore her. You know what? You shut up. I, I'm, excuse my language. You better shut up, not talk this. No, I, I don't go that way. Mm-hmm. I just, I, and I think that this is one of the reasons that she, she shares stuff more than her mom. Yeah. Me. So, so she, I was like, you know what, it's, I totally understand, but I think it's too even to think about it, because you're just, what, junior high, let's at least finish high school, go to university, and then just imagine, because 80% of these kids, maybe, they don't even get to, to high school, I mean, in high school, they just leave their school, they go, you know, be, I mean, I mean, they, they, you're not sure the, the boy that you're going to find as a boyfriend is going to be successful person, what kind of future he has. But I think it's better. I, so I was trying to explain her that it's better <laughs> right. to, to think about this stuff in university and high. So Well, I mean, so I, think, I, think she has, I get yeah. what you're saying. And you're right. The fact that your 13-year-old daughter comes to her dad and says, when can I have a boyfriend? That's not common. 
Um, and that means that, yeah, she probably is very comfortable with you. And, you know, I don't, I don't really say there's a specific age. And also, at the end of the day, if she wants to do something, she will. So I wouldn't get too much into that. For me, always what's important is to have a conversation with your kids. So I know she asked you a question and you think you have to have an answer. And especially about this, you wanted to just push it back as far as you can. Not even high school, maybe in college, because you have to see how successful they're going to be. And that's not necessarily, I would agree with, you know, that logic yeah. per se. Because, look, if she dates someone next year, she's probably not going to marry them. So you don't have to worry about what his earning potential is in, in 20 years. Um, so you just wanted to say later and later and later. I would say... Let's have a conversation. What makes you even ask that? Or what do you think? And see what she has to say. I always tell parents, have more of a, a dialogue, a conversation than a monologue where only you're talking. So ask her, what, what do you think? And she might tell you, well, some of my friends have boyfriends and or some of them are talking about guys they like or something. And it could be more of a conversation. And this might be something it's more easy for her to talk with her mom now, generally speaking. But it seems like you're saying maybe her mom isn't the easiest to talk to, so she prefers talking to you. But talking about boys and these types of things might be harder for her to talk to you about, especially as she gets a little bit older. So you have to be ready for that, that more than likely she won't be asking you a lot of questions or for a lot of, a lot yeah. of advice about these things. Actually, that's why, that's why I keep talking to my wife. I'm telling you, as, as more they grow, they're going to uh, keep their distance from me and yeah. they're going to go too close to you. And you need to be, be friends with them to, to they call, I mean, come to you and ask you questions and this and that. So let me ask you one more question. Sure. Uh, sometimes she, I, you know how teenagers, they, they never take, take care of their rooms. Their rooms always is messy, this and that, yeah. which for me, it's not really a big deal. I, but my wife, I, as, as I'm sure you know about women, they want to be, especially Persian women, how they want to, their home to be perfect condition. So uh, sometimes she, when she is not obedient, uh, I, and, and do I have to, I, I don't like punishment, but do you think sometimes I, I'm, let's say she's on the phone a lot, okay, but, but, she, but she, she does all her school, she's on her student, okay, mm -hmm. and the thing is, do you think for punishment should I take sometimes her phone or not? I, also, you can't, also, I mean, I, I'm, just because we have maybe less than a minute, I do apologize, uh -huh. I want to make sure, you know, I, I'm also with you that punishment to me usually is not a good thing, and even the word obedience I'm not a big fan of because it means... The kid is just supposed to listen to you because they should listen to you. You know, there has to be a reason and we have to try to explain to them what it is. And I don't like the way I see a lot of parents, especially Persian parents, they won't have a rule. But then like after a while, they get annoyed and they say, oh, I'm just taking your phone for the rest of the day. And the kid doesn't know why or what happened or why did we get to this point? And it's like out of nowhere. So if you want to create boundaries, I'm actually very much OK with that. But again, going back to the idea of having a conversation, I would create the boundaries with her okay, how much do you think your phone, you should be on your phone or on a school day, let's say. And she might say the whole day. And maybe you guys will have to have a conversation where you say sometimes it's too much or whatever your reasoning is, you can talk to her about it. But I wouldn't just impose some rule as if it's coming from God of you can only be on your phone 30 minutes after school no matter what, and then I'm going to take it from you. I, I wouldn't approach it that way. I would have a conversation with her about any of those kind of boundaries or rules. And you and your wife also have to be on the same page as well. And because I have to wrap up, I'll just give that last comment that that's something that you mentioned a few times. It seems like you and her are not on the same page in the way that you're approaching some of the parenting. And that to me is very important for you guys to think about and for you to talk with her. Not that she has to do it your way, but you guys have to find some common ground where you're approaching the parenting from a similar place. Okay. 
Okay. We do have to wrap up. I hope you'll call back again. We can talk some more. I know you had more questions. I'm sure I'm going to bother you again. I look forward to you bothering me. Looking forward to it. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Ghazali here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Jalakwi. Have a wonderful day.